Hey everybody, this is Kale Clark. Thanks for joining me once again on The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio mobile app as we continue our journey through St. Paul's letter to the Romans and to us as well, because of course, sacred scripture is addressed ultimately to every single person on the planet. You know, when I was growing up as a teenager, I used to love to listen to a classic rock station called Q104. And on Sunday nights, they departed from their usual fare of playing bands like Kiss and the Rolling Stones. And there was a program called The Fire Escape. And what was this about? It was essentially Christian hard rock and heavy metal, bands like Striper. And I always thought it was kind of intriguing. I'm not sure that a Christian hard rock program would be allowed on secular radio today, but I thought it was intriguing, this whole idea, a clever title, this whole idea of the fire escape, or fire insurance, if you will, trying to escape the fires of hell, and using music as a vehicle to share the gospel. Well, as intriguing as I might find the music, my mother never would let me grow a mullet like I wanted to. So sad. So sad, but maybe she, maybe that was actually a grace. <laughs> she knew best. But having said that, this is exactly what St. Paul is trying to explain here in Romans chapter 2 to his fellow Jews, because some of them thought that simply being a part of the covenant community, simply being ethnically Jewish, was a fire escape, was fire insurance, if you will. That was enough to get them in and avoid the wrath of God but they didn't have to do anything else. Now, later on in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, he's got this magnificent argument in chapters 9 through 11, which culminates in this interesting line, all Israel will be saved. God definitely still has a plan for his covenant people, Israel. As he explains, the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. Once God calls you, he doesn't take it away. We can take ourselves away. We can subtract ourselves from the equation. And St. Paul doesn't mean that every single Israelite would be saved automatically. Far from it. You have to ratify your election. You've got to cooperate with God's grace. In the Gospel of Matthew, St. John the Baptist says this in Matthew 3, verse 9. He says, Do not presume to say to yourselves. Now, he was preaching to all the Scribes, Pharisees, religious leaders that showed up at the, at the River Jordan, saying, what is this baptism of repentance that John is, is kind of dishing out here? Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Okay, well, th- this is a pretty wild stuff. It kind of reminds me of what Jesus said at the triumphal entry. Hey, if if you try to silence the people from calling out Hosanna and all that stuff, the, you know, blessed is the son of David coming to install the kingdom here. If you tell people to be quiet, tell the children to be quiet, the very stones would cry out. And, and God could do such a thing if he wanted to. So John the Baptist was essentially saying, don't think that you can ride on your reputation here. Don't think that you can just claim being part of Israel as a golden ticket to get into heaven. Far from it. It's not just in name only. You've got to live it out. And the same can happen to us in the Catholic Church. A lot of us are Catholic in name only. And they think, I'm baptized. I'm Catholic. I went to Catholic school for 12 years. I know what I'm doing. It's not automatic fire insurance. It's not 
a ticket to the fire escape, you've got to ratify it. And this is really what confirmation, the sacrament of confirmation is all about. It's becoming an adult in the faith and saying, I'm taking responsibility for it. Becoming a Catholic wasn't necessarily my choice in the beginning if I was baptized as an infant. If you're an adult convert, it's a different story. But this is what confirmation is. It's accepting responsibility for the faith to seek holiness and apostolate, to become a saint oneself, which is the goal of your life, and to help other people to become saints too. God has no grandchildren, only children. So we can't just inherit it like the family silverware. We've got to actually ratify it. So this, this is something that's really important for us to understand as we work through this. <clears throat> the same things that Paul is saying uh, to the Jews of his day, he can also say to us as Catholics. Membership in the covenant community, it has its privileges. It's a little bit like the old American Express advertisements. Membership has its privileges. Yeah, that's true. But it also has its responsibilities. And this is really what Paul wants to say to us in this letter. So let's continue on uh, in chapter 2. One of the things that he says in, in verses 4 and 5, if you want to open your Bible up to this passage, in Romans chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Paul writes, Do you presume upon the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Do you not know that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But by your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So we, this gets, kind of gets back to something we were talking about in the last episode, the sin of presumption, this, this concept that God must forgive me. And, and, and you know what, just because God hasn't um, judged you yet doesn't mean that he never will. The very fact that Christ has not returned, it's only for one reason. He wants more and more people to be saved. So why not take this time to try to seek to be more conformed to Christ? In 2 Peter chapter uh, 3, verse 15, and the whole passage is actually really interesting because it, it's all about why hasn't God come in judgment yet? Why hasn't this day of wrath actually happened at this point? And Peter says this, and I'm actually going to go back to the, to the beginning of, of the chapter here. In, in 2 Peter 3, verse 3, he writes, First of all, you must understand this, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own passions and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep or died, all things have continued as they were from the beginning of creation. They deliberately ignore this fact that by the word of God, heavens existed long ago and an earth formed out of water and by means of water through which the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. Of course, he's talking about there the flood. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist have been stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is forbearing toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So this is the key here. The Lord is, is holding back his hand of judgment here 
to strike the earth with judgment because he's he wants as many people to repent as possible. But then he says, Peter writes, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and the works that are upon it will be burned up. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of persons ought you to be? Living lives of holiness and godliness, and waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be kindled and dissolved, and the elements will melt with fire. But according to his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So Peter's essentially saying that the first earth was deluged by the flood. Now the judgment of this present world is going to come through fire. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And it's it's so interesting. He says it in verse 15, count the forbearance of our Lord as salvation. The very fact that... that there's this period of waiting. It hasn't happened yet. That, that's a chance to, to, to save yourselves, to, to continue to cooperate with God's grace and his plan for you to get holier and get happier. Because if you want to be happier, you've got to be more holy. That's what St. Jose Maria said. But then Peter says this, So also our beloved brother Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. Speaking of this, as he does in all his letters, there are some things in them hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, beware lest you be carried away with the error of lawless men and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So I find this interesting that St. Peter actually mentions the writings of Paul and that people find them difficult to understand. That's why we're trying to break down the letter to the Romans, because it, it, it can be difficult. And we're going to try to learn this together and, and, and understand it, because it is possible. There's no question about it. You're listening to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio. I'm your host, Cale Clark. This is our study on St. Paul's letter to the Romans. So during this period, it's a great time to practice repentance. Uh, and as he says elsewhere, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, Godly grief or this godly sorrow produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret, but worldly grief produces death. So it, it's interesting because he kind of gives here the difference between, it's almost what, what, what happened to Judas and what happened to Peter himself, because Judas repented kind of. Uh, after he had betrayed Jesus, he did, he threw the money back, uh, 30 pieces of silver at the religious authorities. He was sorry, but he, he only repented unto men. He only repented in a human way. He didn't repent to God. That's the difference. That's the godly sorrow that Paul is talking about here. But Peter did repent unto God. He asked for God's mercy and forgiveness. And so this enabled him to become much more humble and to seek the Lord in, in a much, much better way. Because we can't have this stubbornness of heart. And, and this is what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 2. This stubbornness of heart. Don't become hard-hearted. Because you're going to resist God. You're going to resist his law. Very much like Pharaoh did in the Exodus. And we, we did the Exodus series here on The Faith Explained. In Exodus chapter 8 verse 15. The magicians, the Egyptian magicians tried to copy all the, all the miracles that God was doing through Moses. The plagues. But there was one that they just, they couldn't do it through their dark arts. They could not copy it. 
And in Exodus chapter 8, verse 19, the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. We can't copy it. We can't do it. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So he resisted Yahweh. And we have to make sure that we don't do that either. Because this is a constant temptation. Especially when we want to go our own way, do our own thing. Especially when we want to commit sins against the moral law. The type of immorality that Paul uh, condemned in Romans chapter 1. Don't forget what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 when he was talking about divorce. He said, For your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. Their hearts became tough and God couldn't get through because they wanted what they wanted and no one was going to tell them any differently, least of all God. So Paul says don't do it because if you carry on in this manner, you're storing up wrath for the future. When God does come in judgment, it's going to be far worse for you. You don't want this to happen. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says we need to wait for God's Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath that is to come. And he says later on in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, it's not his plan for you and me. But his plan is to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we're lost, it's not because Jesus wants us to be lost for all eternity. It's because we have walked away from him and willingly hardened our hearts. So this is a, a big, big theme here in Romans chapter 2. And it's important for us to realize that. Okay. So what we really want is the imperishable glory of heaven. And Paul says, look, if you're, if you're doing good, if you're cooperating with God's grace, you're going to pursue glory, honor, and immortality. And this is what we're made for. In the book of Wisdom, chapter 2, verse 23, it says, and this is a beautiful uh, verse from, from the Old Testament, from the Wisdom of Solomon, For God created man for incorruption and made him in the image of his own eternity. This is what we're destined for. So to fall short is the greatest tragedy of all. So Paul says you've got to persevere in your good works. It's, and it's not that we're saved by our good works alone. And again, this is the big uh, misunderstanding of Romans that took place during the Protestant Revolution. Martin Luther said that the believer is justified by faith alone. That's not true. But as Scott Hahn points out in his commentary on Romans, believers are not justified by works alone either, by our good deeds. What we are uh, set right by is faith working through love. That's Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Paul writes there, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail, but faith working through love. So in other words, whether you're a pagan or whether you're Jewish, uh, in terms of your ethnic background, what really matters is faith working through love. That's all that counts. And so this is what it's all about. I really, really uh, like the way Paul puts it here. And th this is this is what, what it is. Now, having said that, though, there is still, and Paul's going to explain this in the next chapter, there's still a great advantage to uh, being part of the covenant people of God because God has revealed his truth to them. He hasn't done this with any, with any other nation. All right, so Paul says here 
In verse 5 of Romans 2, by your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Verse 6, for he will render to every man according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are factious and do not obey the truth, but obey wickedness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. So this is really important here, this idea that, yes, God did choose the Jews to receive his revelation, but everybody has an equal shot at heaven because as he explained in chapter one the gentiles are without excuse they, they should know god from the natural law they don't have as much knowledge as israel because israel got special divine revelation and because of that if they don't live up to it they're first in line at the condemnation but if they do live up to it to the truth that they that they know then they'll be first in line with rewards as well and, and in luke chapter 12 verse 48 Jesus talks about the person who did know what God wanted, the person that didn't know. Uh, He says, He who did not know the Master's will and did what deserved a beating shall receive a light beating. If they can honestly claim ignorance, I didn't know. Everyone to whom much is given, of him much will be required. And of him to whom men commit much, they will demand the more. So whoever is entrusted with much, much will be demanded of that person. And my wife always says that's the scariest verse of Scripture in all the Bible to her because as Catholics, we have even more revelation than the people of Israel had. We have the new covenant. We have God incarnate, Jesus Christ, who dispenses to us the new covenant. He actually gives us his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. He gives us his power and life through the sacraments plus all the teachings of the church, we have even more responsibility to live up to. And, and that can be kind of scary. Um, and, and, and some people want to kind of shrink away. I wish I didn't know this, because then I wouldn't be responsible for it. No, that's a bad attitude too, because ignorance is not bliss. What you don't know can hurt you. <laughs> what you don't know can hurt you. And, and knowing more of the truth is always better. We've got the fullness of revelation, but let's live up to it. And let's show other people what it's all about as well. So this is a a great, great uh, passage from St. Paul saying that we can't ride on our reputation. We can't ride on our coattails. We can't ride on our Catholic heritage. We can't use this as, as, as the secret passageway to the fire escape. We have to actually live it out. We actually have to have soft hearts and allow God to change us and make us more like him. We're going to have much, much more on the letter to Romans. We're going to look at chapter three in the next episode. So for your homework, you won't be graded on this. I won't be checking, but uh, read it ahead of time for before tomorrow's Faith Explained episode. It'll help you to understand where Paul is going and where he's going is straight towards Jesus Christ. And he's hoping that he'll take all of us with him. For The Faith Explained, I'm Kale Clark. Join you in the next episode. God bless you, and peace.